0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Edwards in the backfield, record the block, there he goes for
0: six. And the Ravens have their first lead today on a seven-yard touchdown run by Gus Edwards. It's a blessing, man. I just want to give God his glory. It took a lot of faith getting through everything and all the adversity I faced with the injury. Um, I had a strong team starting with God. And I'm just blessed to be in the position that I am here a year later. They got Hunt in the backfield. Hunt will release. Percet. Oh, knocked away.
1: That's a fumble. Campbell knocked it away. It's a turnover, the first, and Baltimore will have the
2: ball. You know, really a team win. That's about the best way I can sum it up. A team win and uh, a team that finished the game in the fourth quarter in difficult circumstances. You know, uh, you guys are all kind of making the point. It's a good point. We're kind of had the lead again. What's going to happen? And the idea that you can play the play within the play and and, and focus on what you've got to do uh, within the play, not within the situation or the circumstance. The circumstance really doesn't matter. What matters is the play call and then doing your job. And I thought our guys did a good job of that today. Now that is how you finish off a game in the fourth quarter when everything's on the line. That is something the Ravens had not done in their losses so far this season. And now through seven weeks of football because of their ability to finish against the Cleveland Browns, they now sit atop the AFC North with The Cincinnati Bengals with a four and three record, thanks to a 23 to 20 win over the Cleveland Browns in week seven of this 2022 NFL season. As always, welcome into the Ravens vault podcast. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. And Sarah, there were contributions all over the field, whether it was special teams, unsung heroes defensively or the man himself number 35 Gus Bus getting back into the lineup after well over a year of being sidelined with that very very complicated and debilitating torn ACL. So with that, your main takeaway from this week 7 win.
1: You know what's crazy about them finishing in the fourth quarter even though it doesn't still the way they did it doesn't make you feel great cuz you'd prefer that they just maintain that 10-point lead, but we'll, we'll take the baby steps. Here was here was an indication that they might be able to finish at the end of the game is that they were finishing elsewhere. The Ravens were eight for nine on third and fourth downs today. Third and fourth down and th- and three or shorter. And so when you start seeing them convert third downs or the fourth and one with with uh, Gus Edwards in the end zone. It's like, okay, okay, that's how you practice finishing. Cause that was kind of the question going in. It's like, okay, if if somebody messes up a snap, you go and you attack snapping, you attack technique, you talk about the rules. If there's penalties, you talk about the rules. If somebody has a misfire, you practice throwing, like all that stuff. How do you practice finishing? You finish in other assets of practice, other assets of life, other, other assets of the game. And so to see that they were finishing elsewhere, even though they weren't perfect, it was like, okay, it wasn't just that they finished at the end, they finished throughout. And those were indicators that it was like, okay, even though my heart's pumping, let's see if they can pull this out. But if you can finish on on third and fourth and short, then and then that's a good indicator that you can finish the game.
2: Partner, let's begin to pick this thing apart because as we all know, John Harbaugh and his commitment to special teams, given How he came up through the ranks within the coaching field began with special teams and his love and admiration for special teams. Well, you could argue that this game today, as we tape this on Sunday night, was won thanks to teams, whether it was Devin Duvernay's long return, which set up points for the Ravens. And 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 him as a return specialist just in general has become elite dating back to last year, whether it was Justin Tucker going 3 for 3 as per usual including a 55-yarder in the fourth quarter or just Jordan Stout probably having the best game of his young career as a rookie or even Malik Harrison's blocked what would have been potential game-tying field goal there in the fourth quarter. Up and down, that unit responded after a really tough week in an outing against the Giants.
1: Yeah, and I mean they didn't do that against against the Giants, you know. And it's just like for them to turn that around, it's it's. I just felt like I'd said this last week. I felt like the Giants had no business being five and one, and but the way they did it was they played mistake free football and they just waited for the Ravens to make a mistake, and so. The Ravens did that, and they did that partly in special teams and then partly with Lamar Jackson's uh, interception at the end and all sorts of different things. And it's like, let's just try to, like, reverse that. Instead of trying to put on the greatest show ever, which would be nice, we got to baby step our way back to that. And let's get to the point where we're trying to play mistake-free football, and they did have some mistakes, but certainly no meltdowns. And then let's let the Browns be the Browns. And then they were the ones to to have mistakes. They were the ones who who had the offensive pass interference that nullified a massive touchdown. They're the ones that got the false start to push the field goal back so that Malik Harrison could block it with his face by the way because it was so low. Um you you <sighs> could you could do those things and we'll get into those calls. They're very controversial. I know in Cleveland they are not happy, so we'll break those down. But but that's what I like to see. It was like wherever it is, whether it's on special teams or elsewhere, play mistake-free football, and that will get you a lot further than you think. And that's what happened today.
2: Well, let's get into one of those calls that was pretty controversial, especially for the folks in Cleveland, right? The obvious, what comes to mind first, is the false start there in the fourth quarter, which turned the potential game-tying field goal into a 60-yarder instead of 55-yarder. So to your point, it needed to be, you know, from a trajectory standpoint, it needed to be a little bit more of a line drive just to get more uh, more of an oomph underneath it. But I guess what was controversial about this, Sarah, is that, you know, it, it, at first glance, it sure looked like that there was movement on both sides of the line. As I, we mentioned in our first ever live stream on the Ravens Vault podcast, youtube page uh, after this one finished up i deferred to uh, former Pro bowler for the chiefs tackle mitchell schwartz who, who broke it down in three specific ways he said there's multiple things it's slow-mo for the replay that he was quote tweeting it's slow-mo so the snapper dips his head and moves the ball much quicker in real time two ravens are in the neutral zone but that isn't a penalty by itself and three the tight end spot on the left does move before the Baltimore defensive lineman touches the offensive lineman for Cleveland, which is a false start. Nonetheless, this was a controversial call, but as we as we discussed in our live stream, it sure looks like the officials got it right.
1: I went back. I took some extra time to make sure because I wanted to make sure I under I I saw with my own eyes and had my own opinion on it. So, um, I saw somebody post a GIF of or GIF, I still don't know how to pronounce that. Of 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 the snap that t- kept going back and forth, right at where he moved the ball. It definitely lifted up. He, he, he picked the ball up and it wasn't like egregious, but he definitely picked the ball up while he put his head down. So um, that picking the ball up is what I think triggered the whole sequence. After he picked the ball up, what I saw first was the defensive lineman on the Ravens move. But as Schwartz said, it's not enough to move because you can move on a defensive line. You have to be touching somebody. And before they did, for sure, the left tight end who's 86, the refs called 68. I think they just put down the wrong number. It was definitely 86 the tight end who uh flinched for sure. And so you can certainly debate over you know the the movement there between the defensive line and and the tight end, but what triggered everything was the center picking up the ball. And so whether they put it on sixty-eight or eighty-six or whoever they, I don't, I don't. The, it was to me the right call because it was triggered by him picking up the snap, which you cannot do.
2: And a huge play, a, a huge moment in time within the Massive. game, because again, changing that field goal try from fifty-five to sixty on the road is a big deal, both uh, literally and figuratively. Earlier on that drive, sticking with the officiating. We both agree that while there was some unhappiness and some frustration in the Cleveland fan base on this specific play, it sure looks like the officiating and the officials got it right. And that's the OPI called on Amari Cooper for what would have been a touchdown and they would have taken the lead, but there was a blatant push off on Marcus Peters. And as we discussed on our instant reaction live stream, I really feel this way, Sarah. Amari didn't even need to push off because he had Marcus by a half step.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did have him. Um, and, and sometimes the rest will let these guys go back and forth. And it's usually scary because when a flag is called, it's usually on the defensive person, but it is, it is, it's clear as day to me. Like sometimes when people are hand fighting, but it doesn't really gain any advantage, then I'm cool with the known call, no call, But he, you can't, he did, he totally extended his arm. There was no bend in his elbow, Amari Cooper's. And he pushed him off. And, and you know what? I actually need to go back, Bobby. You might be right, but I need to go back to see if, if Marcus Peters was a half step behind, you could be right. But I just remember distinctly seeing him extend his arm all the way out. So there's no bend in the elbow. And that clearly is what, created the separation now he still may have caught could have caught the touchdown without it may i mean w- even with you know mark is somewhat w- within reach or whatever but but yeah it was the right call and i did i was i was following some of the cleveland um reporters and they had put up um the presser reaction from uh brown's coach stefanski kevin stefanski and um he wasn't like Fuming or anything. He was a typical frustrated, quiet coach after a loss. But he was, he said it was frustrating, that call was, and that he wanted to get an explanation from the league. And, you know, he'll get that explanation. Uh, And I can see why they're frustrated because the sequence was nullified touchdown. When you go ahead, when you would have potentially gone ahead to a false start that you don't agree with, even though I think the refs got that one. Right. And then it was the blocked. It was the blocked uh, field goal by Malik Harrison. So that my goodness, last week we were talking about a meltdown by the Ravens. That just feels like a meltdown over there, but they're blaming the refs. But in the end, I do think the refs got it right this time. And hallelujah, finally, the calls go in the direction of the Ravens, and and I think they were the right calls. Let me ask you this. Where was your head at? Because let's let's back up here for a second. Cause this is what was scary. Ravens are leading by 10. So double digits again with eleven twenty-four remaining. <laughs> okay. Leading by 10, 11:24 remaining. Ravens defense then immediately allows a seven play, 75-yard touchdown drive. That cuts their lead to three. So then the Ravens come in and they're looking to just bleed the clock. Okay. They're like rotating in their running backs. They're moving the ball, looking good. And then, uh oh, Justice Hill coughs up the ball. Okay. Giving the Browns the ball at the Cleveland 16 yard line. So just as the run game's rolling, they cough it up. And then the Browns start moving again before the Amari Cooper and everything we just did. I mean, that's still gonna stick with me. Does that stick with you? I mean, I'm glad that Malik Harrison in the end. Okay, it is all psychological. And I said this in our live stream. It is all psychological. And so, like, even when everything's going wrong, that's what I liked about the Ed Reed and Ray Lewis-led defenses. It was like you could the the offense, the opposing offense could have the ball on the half yard line with the first down and their mindset is still, you're not getting in this end zone. And so you have to have that mentality. So I'm glad that the Ravens psychologically are like, okay, listen, even though the fourth quarter didn't go the way we wanted to in that, we would have been better to just maintain that 10 point lead or extend it. That would have been better. But at least psychologically, we know even when things aren't going away, you never give up hope. You never stop trusting the man next to you. You never turn on each other. You stick together as a team. That's, that's great that they have that, but I can't, I don't, I'm still going to be nervous because I'm still going to remember it. it looked like they were going to fold again, Bobby. It looked like they were going to fold right. again.
2: Right. Right. Me and everyone else and you were thinking, here we go again. And, you know, the the bottom line is they left the door open for Cleveland and good teams, Mm -hmm. you do that to good teams, which we don't think that the Browns are a good team. We think that they're obviously in somewhat of a holding pattern right now until Deshaun Watson comes back and nothing's guaranteed because of that situation and all the distractions they have. But we know they're a better team with Deshaun Watson back out on the football field even though when he does get back he'll barely have played football in two years all that aside you do this to the AFC elites the Buffaloes Kansas City's the Cincinnati's yeah you so on and so forth then you're you're not going to end up finishing the game like you did today. Like it was almost like a half finished job. Like it's not a full finish, right? Like you got to give them almost like a half point for getting it done. So yeah, that it is concerning. I don't think we should forget about it. I'm with you. They found a way to to win today uh, with some great team, you know, some, some great performances and contributions, special teams and defense when it mattered most. But again, uh, that, that will cost you against the AFC elites.
1: Yeah, and that's why, like I said, it's it's more of a psychological win to be like, okay, no matter what situation you're in, you never give up. Uh, but but you're right, like that is that is it. Like the Browns browned, right? Like that's what they do. But if but like yeah, better teams they're gonna take advantage of those. And so the Ravens still have some work to do. It's just nice that you have a W under your belt while you go you go do that. So let's get into to Gus Edwards a little bit more. Here's my question to you: Who's your MVP, Gus Edwards? or Malik Harrison.
2: So in my separate live stream, we're like live streaming all the time. I got one on my YouTube channel. We're doing one on the Ravens (laughs) Ball podcast. So for those of you out there who've been listening to us on our audio only form, uh, please, please consider checking out what we're doing in live form as well because we got a lot going on. But uh, I gave my game, Paul, actually like, I guess there's like multiple game balls specifically, but I gave it to the special teams group uh, just because I thought that they were the difference today. And, and so I guess within that special teams umbrella, you're talking Duvernay, you're talking Malik, you know, you're talking Jordan Stout, and you're talking Justin Tucker. Like those were my four within the special teams umbrella. But, but. Uh, yeah, that's Gus cheating. Being so you got to choose
1: one person. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, How did I know you'd take exception to that, right? <laughs> so, I mean, look. Gus being back is deserving of a game ball in itself in a completely different category, because this guy, as we found out tonight in his post game press conference, much like we did when JK was at Jimmy's famous seafood when Mark Viviano and Torrey Smith kind of unveiled, revealed what was going on specifically, aside from just the torn ACL. It was an LCL and hamstring on top of the ACL, he revealed, uh, tonight in his press conference. So this is complicated stuff. He was not supposed to be back this early as he also talked about in his press conference. It's been a long debilitating road for Gus and for him to come back and show that burst and show that vision, lateral quickness, you name it is, um, it's such a testament and, and for what he's going to bring this team down the stretch when they need him now more than ever with J.K. down for the next month at least, Sarah.
1: Golly, it was so nice, Bobby. It was so nice to have him. It's just to have... Somebody asked Lamar Jackson after the game, like what is what is Gus bringing? He's like, well, he's a power running back. He's like, we have a lot of great running backs, but they're all kind of scat guys, scat backs. And Lamar's kind of shifty. And, and, you know, he's not like a power. I mean, he's the he's the quarterback. Right. And so it's like to just have that power to have somebody where Greg Roman on fourth and one at the goal line can say, I'm just going to run it at the gut. You, you guys, you the defense knows that I'm going to run it up the gut, and I'm going to do it anyway because I have Gus Edwards. That's what he brings. That's what he brings. It's its just so unbelievably good to have him back, and I was surprised by two things with him. Number one, I was surprised that it didn't seem like he had the same ramp up as other guys coming back from injury. He seemed much to jump in much faster i thought it was going to be series on series off series on series off then maybe like jk wouldn't play in the fourth quarter um but but they played him a ton what did he finish with let me look this up here so he finishes with gus edwards has 16 attempts for 66 yards two touchdowns 16 attempts that's pretty good especially when you have hill and drake and shoot mark andrews who ran and patrick ricard and then obviously lamar jackson and so that's a lot of that's a lot of runs for not playing since 2020 and so i was surprised by how much they used him which then led me to my next surprise because they were using him a lot i felt like in that very last series after malik harrison's uh blocked field goal i thought give the ball to gus We've got about two minutes. Just give it to Gus. Let's grind this thing out. And then they didn't. They gave it to Drake a couple times. Uh, I think Lamar had it once. And then, you know, they did. were able to eat up some clock because by then Cleveland was mostly out of timeouts. Um, but I'm like, now? Now is when? if If Gus Edwards is on a pitch count, now is when you put, like, the, the line of your foot in the ground, you know, because I went back and looked and uh, outside of that three and out coming from the second half, it was a quick look. So maybe I missed another one, but I'm pretty sure he played in, in or took a carry in every single other series. And he was in the series on the penultimate one before J- Justice Hill fumbled it. So I'm like, I mean, sure, if you're going to have him on a pitch count, then have him on a pitch count. But my goodness, that was the time to put the, the, the foot in the ground. That was odd to me. So um, right. didn't matter in the end. Ravens won. And the last time Gus Edwards scored a touchdown, by the way, was in December of 2020 against the Cleveland Browns. And he had two touchdowns against them, had it again again today. So that was rather fitting.
2: Sarah, in those short yardage situations and yards after contact and just how punishing he is when you need two or you need a tough one or or two or three or whatever it is, that to me is like uh, above all else. Like, yeah, we know he's going to be – absolutely a weapon and someone they they go to uh when they're in the red zone and and when they're in those must-have situations but just his his will and his sheer power and force that just brings a new layer to this running back room that they have not had in what feels like forever that's no that's nothing against jk dobbins you said it in our live stream they're just different backs you know, they have different personalities, mm-hmm. yes, but they're also different style runners. And so uh, I, I think while while J.K. remains down and handles everything he needs to handle when it comes to the arthroscopic knee surgery that he's about to undergo, or he may have at this point, he may have already undergone it, um, that's going to bring a new element to this team that they haven't had since, like you said, 2020.
1: I did a very quick instant reaction short on YouTube on Friday when that news came out. And at that time, a lot of people, a lot of fans were yelling at the Ravens again and the trainers as if they had messed, messed up J.K. Dobbins. It's their fault that, you know, he had to go have the surgery because they, and along with me, assumed that there was some sort of setback and we blamed it on on MetLife, right, uh, with the turf up there. But John Harbaugh explained today that there was no new injury. There was no setback. It was that J.K. has been working on his range of motion over by his scar tissue. And so you keep having to do that, and it's a slow process. And um, John Harbaugh said that he thinks Saquon Barkley had this same arthroscopic knee surgery that's supposed to open up the um, range of motion there by the ligaments and where that scar tissue is. And so um, that wouldn't surprise me because J.K. Dobbins has been in touch with Saquon and has, you know, reached out to him to, to, to be you know, kind of give him some tips and all that kind of stuff because they've been through the same thing. So no, this was something that J.K. Dobbins decided to do because he felt like it was going to take too long to get his range of motion back. So he opted for this uh, surgery. He did not have a setback. So I wanted to definitely clear that up there.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And Sarah, I'm glad you mentioned that too, because he's been super vocal. Like we know that he's been, we've been talking about this since day one of this podcast during the start of training camp. Like JK has been the outspoken one getting in the ears of team doctors, getting in the ears of his coaching staff because of how much of a competitor he is. I think it might be fair to say that while there's no, there's no doubt that regardless of when he. Uh, was cleared to come back. That I, I'm not sure that would have mattered, right? The follow up procedure may have been uh, inevitable, but we we all know that there was nothing premature about this. It was almost if if he had it his way, he would have been back week one, and that would have been even more premature than what he ended up coming back. What, right. Was it against what was it against? Uh, gosh, when did he come back?
1: Jets. Oh, oh, the week he came back. I can't remember now. I think it was like week. F- four week three or four something like that yeah, yeah. patriots maybe I don't, I don't know patriots is week three but uh that's what it was it was yeah, in new england boy, but boy yeah okay okay and boy was the timing right though for him to choose when to do it with gus and hill returning so uh and by the way come on hill hold on to the ball hold on yes. to the ball buddy <laughs> like, yes. i'm not looking to like you know put him in the doghouse or anything but my goodness gracious i was ready bobby i was ready to be like Here we go again. I'm going to be talking with Bobby after the game about the game. And it's just going to be, here we go again, a meltdown. And it was going to be that the defense gave up that fourth quarter touchdown drive again, which I'm still not happy about. And then Justice Hill, and I was about to say, it's always like a different culprit. It's always a different culprit. And this week it was going to be Justice Hill. So I hope Justice Hill buys Malik Harrison like a ginormous steak dinner because he saved his butt and the rest (laughs) of us for sure from another – Oh, my gosh. I just well, you know, did not too, want to Sarah. talk for an hour about how the Ravens melted down again.
2: <laughs> right, right. And, you know, CBS didn't do him any favors either. You better believe that the cameras were cutting back and forth <laughs> as, as, you know, um, as Cleveland was going throughout the drive. And then ultimately when Malik got his head on it, not a hand, his head, uh, Justice was going nuts on the sideline. So I'm, I'm sure there was a big, big sigh of relief.
1: <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. But, Bobby, how about... How about our podcast yet again? It's not because he's got healthy players. It's not that. How about our podcast being the reason that Greg Roman has opened up his vault this season and then again today?
2: (laughs) We're running with that. We are absolutely running with that. (laughs) We Uh, totally are. You know, uh, matter of fact, a spoiler alert. I am, uh, you're in Columbus. I'm in Baltimore. And we are taking an opportunity to meet up with Mark Andrews. I will be representing our podcast tomorrow. That's Monday, the 24th at a local rec center. And I plan to ask Mark about this whole vault unveiling that seems to be happening on a week by week basis with him and Lamar and usually Duvernay's involved in it as well, because it has been super creative and it's working.
1: It's working. And it's interesting because now we got a little peek into how things are um, kind of created and in, in, in inside the vault because John Harbaugh said that that, one play where Mark Andrews took the snap under center and then pitched it to Lamar Jackson, who picked up a first down with 11 yards. Lamar afterwards is, of course, met at himself that he didn't score, which Lamar wants to score on every down. Um, but it that. took him a month. They've been practicing that one for a month. Like, holy moly, it takes a minute to cook things up in the vault. But once it comes through, those were pretty nice because they had that one. And then they also had Mark Andrews in sidecar next to Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson hands it off and... And uh, Andrews, he had zero catches, right? He had zero catches. Zero. But but yeah, he got he got. What did he get on that? Mark Andrews got four yards on it, but it picked up the first down. So uh, yeah, I'm here for it. The Ravens also ran a successful uh, screen to Patrick Ricard, but that was pulled back from a uh, uh, James Prochet with the unnecessary roughness. Oh, you just can't retaliate. You can't retaliate at all on those things, but that, that wiped that out. But but yeah, the, the vault was opening up there a little bit. And when you got some healthy horses in there, it seems to be working. It's pretty nice.
2: You know, I'm quick to jump on crochet. I don't know why, because he's a good guy, but like, if you're trying to get into the rotation, stay in the rotation, be a part of this offense, even though you didn't instigate over there, right? He was not the antagonist, but like he retaliated to your point and always it's always the guy who retaliates who gets his wrist slapped and while it didn't come back to bite him obviously it was just there's been some lack of discipline plays this year that have left me mind-boggled for a John Harbaugh-led team and that certainly might be at the very top
1: well and it's also like not great timing on Crochet's part I mean it's funny because John Harbaugh is like oh yeah because you know they were he was asked about whether James Crochet was going to be playing with Deshaun Jackson Signing. He's like, oh, Prochet, he's gonna, you know, in the next couple of games, you're gonna see him, you're gonna see him. And <laughs> it's like, well, you, you weren't hoping to see him in this way. And yeah, but but for Prochet, again, we've been wanting from Prochet what we've seen from Duvernay, which is like just coming out, right? Just having this coming out party. And we just haven't seen it with Prochet yet. And here you've got Deshaun Jackson um signed, and you're looking over your shoulder, and it's like I mean, the Ravens only threw 16 times, so it's not like Prochet was going to stand out there, but you definitely don't want to stand out in that sort of way. Um, so it'll be interesting. Deshaun Jackson didn't play. We had said we weren't, or at least I said I wasn't as confident that he'd jump in right away, but I still thought he would. Uh, but I guess it's a good sign that he didn't because, it, you know, when it, when, when they announced it, it meant that Rashad Bateman was going to play. So I don't know. What do you think about Deshaun Jackson playing Thursday night, Bobby?
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think we were both confident that, we were going to see him, you know, soon. I'm not sure if like this today was, was in play, but I still think we're going to see him before the end of the month, which I guess is, is, is just Thursday or nothing, and then the calendar will flip as of as of week nine. So so we'll just have to see how John Harbaugh and his staff choose to handle this one. I mean, if you ask Deshaun, you know he's ready to go at any, at any given point. I mean, after his first practice, he and Lamar were seen getting extra work in on the practice fields and Owings Mills afterwards, so we'll have to see how that shakes out. But I think that's you know, a good segue to talk about what a lot of folks were asking me about in my my stream on my personal YouTube channel Sarah after the game and that was you know what's the deal with the box score from a passing attack standpoint Lamar only threw it 16 times Mark Andrews had zero catches Rashad Bateman led the way but it was just uh 4, four 42 Duvernay had two for 42 including obviously um you know one of the one of the great deep balls that Lamar's thrown this year no question that went for 31 but uh as John mentioned post game Sarah and you know, I don't take it or leave it, I guess, but you know, they did what they had to do to win the game and that was smash mouth on the ground football. But there was a very, very limited passing attack today. And I guess that's what the game plan called for. What's your perspective?
1: Yeah, it did feel like that was part game plan. Cause uh, part game plan, because it was clear they wanted to get Gus Edwards going right away. They were like, they started out with three straight, uh, runs by Edwards, which set up that long pass to Devin Duvernay for thirty-one yards, and they end up, you know, kind of stalling out. So, I thought they had a couple of passes here and there, but the pass protection by the offensive line was nowhere near as good as the offensive line's uh, rushing, uh, blocking, and opening up holes. It there was just it just felt like Lamar was like running back over and over and over again. With in in pa- with the pass protection, it just didn't seem to hold up. And then I do agree, Harbaugh said that's kind of how the game played out in terms of like, especially the fourth quarter, where it's like, hey, we got this ten point lead, and we want to uh, just drain the clock. And that's what we all wanted, right? Like ten point lead, even when the the defense had given up that touchdown drive, and you still have. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the lead is, but oh, it's cut to three. The lead was cut to three. And so, you know, that's what we were all calling for. Run, 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 run. And that's exactly what they did the entire fourth quarter. And so, I mean, if Greg Roman had called a passing play and there was an incompletion, like, are you kidding me? Like he would have been he would have been yelled at because that just gives more time. For for the Browns to make up the time, so I thought in the fourth quarter they called out the right plays, and I just felt like before then the pass protection just wasn't there. So I do agree with them that the game played out that way, but it also did seem like from the beginning they wanted to like run with Gus Edwards and and hey, they they out rushed and won the game over the 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 team that also just likes to run and they have the leading rusher in the NFL right now in Nick Chubb. So the Ravens out grounded and pounded the Browns uh, in the end. And what did Nick Chubb end with? Nick Chubb ended, he was under a hundred. So 16 attempts, just like Gus Edwards, but had a few more yards because he had a, he had a long one for 91, but he was held to under hundred yards. I mean, yeah, you can win that way. Uh, if you can outrush him, no single person outrushed, outrushed Nick Chubb, but as a team, the Ravens did. So, so you know, it's whatever. It's baby steps. I would prefer to win with an electric game. Uh, You know, you'd love to see Lamar Jackson slinging it around, but I would, I would be surprised if he keeps getting 16 attempts going forward, but we'll have to wait and see.
2: You know, one thing that falls underneath the passing attack umbrella is that blatant drop from Rashad Bateman that we'd be talking about if Justin Tucker wasn't Justin Tucker and converted from 55 yards when when it mattered the most in, in the fourth quarter I mean we would have been looking at or Justin would have been looking at what like a 40 yarder maybe maybe even south of that if Rashad you know hauls that in right. he's had some drops this year that um, gosh for how special he is as a pass catcher Sarah you you wonder like I know there was one game that they were playing in the rain and he had a couple like the first half of the Bills game. I remember he had a couple like suspect ones, but I guess you could say it was like the conditions or at least that was an excuse. There's no excuse for today.
1: Yeah, that one was that one was odd. It just went right through his hands. Yeah, you just don't want to see those piling up And, and people jumped on Hollywood Brown for that in years past. So the good thing about Hollywood Brown was that when it was like really important moments though like the playoffs or whatever Hollywood usually stepped up and so um, we haven't seen Rashad Bateman in those types of moments but yeah you want to see those cleaned up I mean I was happy to see that first catch go for 26 yards and he did catch one later on so but yeah he's he's got he's gotta he's got of reel those in um all right so that was the passing attack we'll see if that becomes a trend it hasn't been that way so we'll we'll see how that goes on the defensive side Boy, somebody who's taking taken a lot of heat, Bobby, is Patrick Queen. And not only did he have a good game today, but I feel like he's stacking a couple, which would be a great, great, you know, thing going forward for the Ravens because they need inside linebacker play to just keep improving.
2: He deserves some love. You're right. Uh, he is uh, under fire often, it seems from the vocal minority online, a lot of which is deserving, some of which is exaggerated, I would have to say. But today he showed mm-hmm. just man, the the vision that he showed and, and the ability to execute and specifically back to back tackles for loss in a key situation on, on one drive. Um, you know, just just flying around and feeling and looking the part. That's what it comes down to for him. Like, Sometimes he just tries to do too much, right? Mike McDonald's talked about that in recent weeks. Like, yo, bro, slow down. You know, like you don't have to be Ray Lewis every single play. And um, maybe that's just the youthfulness in him, or maybe that's just his desire, his like unwavering desire to be great. And the expectations at the linebacker's position in Baltimore are so great. Like, when he slows down and plays within himself, You see why they selected him when they did a few years ago.
1: I just love it when he knifes through the the offensive line. He just he gets skinny and somehow he gets through there. So it's always been more, you know, coverage, making sure he knows what's going on behind him. But it's funny thinking of um, I was thinking of also uh, Justin Houston, who had back to back snaps. And I was like, man, what a trend of like you get back. Justin Houston. You got back Gus Edwards and you got back Rashad Bateman, even though Bateman had that drop, he did have a couple of other important catches there. So it was just like three guys that made a massive, massive impact on this game that you didn't have the last couple of weeks. And you obviously didn't have Gus Edwards for more than a year. So, I mean, uh, and we can't, I remember I was talking offline about this, Bobby, like, People always say, like, there's no excuses with injuries. And it's, like, true to a certain extent because everybody deals with injuries. But there's no doubt that injured teams, I mean, some people overcome it, you know, overcome a couple of injuries, but to overcome the number that the Ravens have, it's just not – it's just unrealistic to to keep saying next man up when you're into, like, your eighth and ninth guy at, like – cornerback or your fourth or fifth guy at running back or you know you just comes to the point where it's like you it's just not fair to say well next man up and you should be as good as the the pro bowl players and all and all pros on this other team that's healthy and so and this just was another proof of that that it's like you have three guys who are not like household names but have a huge impact and the ravens don't win this game without justin houston and gus edwards maybe they could have without Rashad Bateman but um based off of you know he didn't go off today but like the Ravens don't win this game without those guys coming back
2: you know we got to throw Calais Campbell in there for his efforts for sure and while it wasn't pretty and again like we've already mentioned against the AFC elites we're probably not talking about this kind of storyline afterwards it was good enough for today you survive and advance on to the next week of an NFL season and uh, you know that you're going to be facing a better team next week that, yeah, sure, they haven't been playing well, talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but, uh, you know, time to move forward.
1: Man, it is time to move forward. Ravens are number one. Oh, man, number one in the AFC North with that 4-3 and three record. They're technically tied with the Cincinnati Bengals, but they win the tiebreaker with the head-to-head win over them. They've now beaten the Cleveland Browns. They've won their, the only two AFC North uh, games that they've had that's a that's a massive plus. We had Tony Grossi on here uh, heading into the game and he said if the he's, he we asked him to to make a prediction he's like I'm going to choose the Browns only because I can't fathom that in week 7 the the Browns game, season will be over. That's the way he felt if the if the right. Browns lost today right. and he may be right. They're now 2 and 5 in last place. And and I don't see them stringing together a bunch of games to win this 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 division. So this is going to be. I guess the Steelers could come out of nowhere. I mean, who knows? The Steelers are like zombies and always come back from from the dead. So I I guess you can't count them out. But right now, this is even the the Bengals are going on a little bit of a winning streak. So keep it up. And if the Ravens could just oh come out with a win on Thursday, come out with a win to have two back to back and then have a little mini buy. Oh, what what a sweet feeling and momentum they would have. That would be perfect.
2: Absolutely. And I think a conversation that we could probably touch on now for just a short minute and then sort of expand on it in the next couple days, whether it's on the morning vault or or whatever, is how will John Harbaugh attack the game plan, logistically speaking, on a short week when it comes to some of these players who are rehabbing or who are just getting back into it, right? Like, clearly, Gus Bus today was treated... Uh, you know, handled very carefully towards the end. finished with 16 carries 66 yards. But down there in the stretch, like you've already mentioned, they were kind of being careful with him. So, you know, how do they move forward and use him per se on a short week on Thursday night football against the team that they're obviously going to need him with?
1: Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think that they'll have Tyce Bowser for Thursday. I don't know if his 21-day window is... Oh, it's, I mean, they can activate him and not play him if his 21-day window is coming up, but I think they're going to have him. I think it's time for him. Oh, and that's going to be nice to have... That would be nice to have him. Houston, uh, O A. all of these guys, J- uh, JPP... Um, so I think Bowser could be back, which you're going to need a pass rush with Tom Brady. I mean, he can't move around much. He'll he'll get the ball out fast, so got to get pressure there quickly, and Bowser can do well in coverage. So, Gus, um, who else? I think Deshaun Jackson could very well go. Who else are you thinking of that could be put on limited snaps besides Gus? I would
2: think, uh, well, what are they going to do with Ronnie Stanley is, is a whole nother conversation. Like, will he continue to kind of... chip away at their plan with him. And then just two guys that come to mind that I don't think we're going to see yet that are in that, that three week, 21 day window are uh, David Ajabo and Charlie Kohler. I don't think we see them Thursday night.
1: Right. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Definitely. So, but they're getting healthier. They're getting healthier. And so, and so, you know, it's good thing they want today because if you're getting healthier and still losing, that's like um, that's a psychological problem and a coaching problem, because you've got the talent. You've definitely got the talent. So they gotta keep trending up. They gotta keep trending up as these guys keep coming back.
2: I think that'll just about do it for our instant reaction episode here in audio only form. As we mentioned multiple times throughout this episode, Sarah and I are now putting together weekly post game instant reactions on camera on our YouTube page. As we've been telling you about in recent weeks, we recently launched the Raven's vault podcast on YouTube and have been just really enjoying the process there. And and it's just a different way to connect with our audience. I know you agree with me there partner. So uh, go check us out on YouTube. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing. If you've been enjoying our content, it is free and it allows us to continue bringing you daily content on all things baltimore ravens so again the ravens get it done here in week seven over the browns 23 to 20 they're four and three through seven weeks of football and tom brady and the tampa bay buccaneers host on thursday night football it's a short week we got plenty of content coming up and as always thanks for all the support and listening to us here on the ravens vault